You're listening to the White Coat Podcast, presented by Georgia South Graduate Medical Education. Welcome back to the White Coat Podcast. I'm your host, Christoph Coran. I'm so delighted to be here today with CEO and President of Colquitt Regional Medical Center. In my opinion, one of the top hospitals in the nation, Mr. Jim Matney. Thank you for being here with us today. I'm honored to be invited. Well, we have a lot to discuss. Uh, we have a little bit of time together, but I do want to just start off naming some stuff because I think it's significant to note before we really get going. Uh, as of today, uh, back in November of 2022, uh, we recently scored our 15th A hospital safety score. We have the Press Ganey Experience Guardian of Excellence Award, the Baldridge Commitment Award, Pathway to Excellent Designation, named the 2017 Top Rural Hospital by the LeapFrog Group, Gold Seal of Approval from the Joint Commission. Uh, you have an accredited bariatrics program. You were the first hospital in South Georgia back in 2016 to receive the gold seal of approval for your total joint replacement program. Uh, you have a stroke silver plus quality achievement, remote stroke treatment center designation, the Vaughn Center of Excellence Award, and then the Rural Hospital Achievement Award, just to name a few. I could go on and on and on, but you got here in 2011, and since then, the accomplishments are just phenomenal. So could you tell me about what the hospital, what the community was like when you arrived in 2011? You know, I, I get asked that question a lot. And uh, I came here, and it was just a typical rural hospital. It was a hospital that felt like that it was meeting the needs of its community. But it dawned on me probably the first month or two that there was a real need for more, I guess, uh, access. I remember coming to the hospital and wanting to establish care here and get in. And trying to set up a doctor's appointment to see a doctor took four months. And that kind of gave me the, the kind of the initial vision for a lot of the things that we've done involves access. We had uh, market shares of somewhere in the 50s to 60%. In other words, 50 to 60% of all the citizens in Cockwood County were using our hospital. The reverse side of that is over 40-some percent weren't using it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't because of quality, because I thought we had pretty good quality. It was because we didn't have enough physicians. And, and that's kind of, the, kind of the start for why we felt like we needed to start a teaching program. Well, there's different leaders, and I've heard it said many a times, and I believe it to be true, that you're one of those visionary leaders. Uh, when you first got here, there weren't a great number of specialties. There weren't a great number of services that the hospital provided. At the time, it provided the needs then uh, for the community. But there were certain services people had to drive off away to receive care for. How did you get here and share the vision with people, rally and galvanize the community and the hospital to do what I'll say are just crazy ideas in the thought. Uh, but then you made it happen. How did you do that? Well, you know, the previous CEO, Jim Lowry, had something in place. He had worked with the other hospitals to start the consortium, which was a graduate medical education program to start 
physician training in the region, but it was never considered that Cockwood Regional would be a training site. We actually got the office located in Motri because that was our little consolation prize for mm-hmm. helping them start that. And I remember thinking this magic word, and I've used this word often, well, why not Motri? Why not Cockwood County? And uh, I remember saying to the other CEOs, you know, I want to play too because I felt like we did have access problems and they liked us because we were sending all of our specialty mm-hmm. care to them. So it dawned on me that we had to increase access. Well, access starts with a lot of different things, but first and foremost, it starts with physicians because physicians still order the test and physicians still admit patients to hospitals. And, and so <clears throat> we really had to start with our physician base. That's kind of why we started Georgia South, because it does kind of start with primary care. Mm-hmm. A person that gets sick goes in and sees their primary care and then gets sent to a specialty. Well, we quick, quickly learned that the services and the technology that we had wasn't up to par to other hospitals. Uh, I guess the best example was uh, our CT scanner. Our mm-hmm. CT scanner, we had a 64-slice CT scanner, and the technology had changed to a 128 five years earlier. So if you're a patient, do you want to get x-rayed on a 64-slice CT scanner or a 128-slice mm-hmm. CT scanner? It's obvious you want the best. So started with primary care, and then they started referring to the specialist. Well, the specialist started coming to me and saying, I don't have the right equipment to do what I need. So it kind of just dominoed effect into what all we needed to create. But it took your vision. You have this saying, see a Mm -hmm. need, fill a need. Mm -hmm. And we needed those services then. When I got here in 2017, we had about 60 different uh, providers within the hospital. I think today that number is over 120. Mm-hmm. Um, the development of the graduate medical education programs, in particular family medicine, that was started in 2015. Is that right? I think so, yeah. 2015. So far, you have a 100% board pass rate. Uh, a great number of those family medicine graduates stay within the region or they stay here. Um, and now you started a psychiatry residency program we're getting through the first class. We have recruited and matched a second class. And the hope then is much of the same for the psychiatry program. Yes. And, you know, one of the things that I remember early on that I went through this little exercise is the fact that mediocrity is not one of the words that I enjoy. Uh, you either have to do it great mm-hmm. or you shouldn't do it. I remember one of the quality indicators that we had was aspirin at arrival when you have a heart attack, and we were hitting 91%. I look at it the other side, 9% of the people weren't getting aspirins when they came into our emergency room. Uh, you have to set the bar where you expect to be treated yourself. And I expect that the quality of care and that we provide, the physicians that we train, all are 100%ers. So everything I do... I set the bar at 100%. So if we're going to do a family medicine program, we've got to be the best family medicine program. If we're going to do psychiatry services, and I'm really excited about psychiatry because once we created the access with the family medicine docs, we realized a lot of people have mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Well, 
we don't need hospital psychiatry services as much as we need psychiatry services that the average public can go see in their office and can manage it because a lot of the mental health services are managed at home by family members. Uh, but having a psychiatry that they can go see was important. So we created a, what we call a rural hospital psychiatry track to really manage the access of care for those average citizens. Yeah, yeah. Growing your own. Growing um, your own. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of people that will – will. it's difficult sometimes to recruit to rural areas because people mm-hmm. think the, the things that rural areas offer are not the same thing that Metro Atlantic offers. But in my opinion, why not, Mojo? Why can't we offer the same thing that the folks – and downtown uh, Atlanta got received. Stand on the thought of why not Moultrie. Let's talk about the medical school here, uh, the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. Several years ago, it was an idea. I heard the chatter around the community. Uh, they said it couldn't be done. But you persisted, and it happened. Tell me a little bit about that experience and that journey. Well, as you know, because you were my assistant, <laughs> we worked on it a couple of years before we told anybody. Uh, and that was one of those things that uh, when Philadelphia College of Aspect Medicine was looking to establish another site, they were looking all around us. They were looking in Valdosta. They were looking in Tifton, where some of the bigger hospitals were. Uh, were, I said, because I think we're bigger <laughs> than them now. Uh and I remember saying to him, well, why not Motri? You know, we've got now, at the time, in 2017, we had, we've grown from, actually in 2011, we had 35 docs on staff. And now we've got over 120 or probably close to 150 if you count all, all of them, uh, especially if you count the residents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, we've got enough docs to do a medical school. Uh, and... Uh, they kind of laughed at me at first. Jay Felstein at the inaugural inauguration of the opening of the school said, we all just kind of laughed. Motri? <laughs> and then as we started putting together all the rotations, because for 54 students we had to have 400 rotations, it was, real, it was simple math to realize that we could do it. And I think if you ask me how we accomplished it, sometimes you have to just do the work to show people that you can do it. Mm-hmm. And then once you cast that vision that you can get there, it's just it's just work. That's all it is. What has that done for the economy, uh, even for the hospital, for the residency programs, having that medical school located here? What have you seen? Well, you know, it's got it's got multiple factors, but but the big thing is that trying to convince a specialist to come to Motri sometimes is difficult. But once you tell them, oh, by the way, we do have a medical school here, so. They get to come here and they get to be adjunct professors at a medical school. Most residents that graduate enjoy the academic and enjoy teaching students, enjoy teaching residents. So it's really helped us with recruitment because people realize that we're not just a small town. Uh, not talking about any of the folks in town, but but a lot of people's goal was just having a technical college in, in, in Motu was enough. Well, that's never enough for me. So... Having a four-year school sounds good, but gosh, dog, we didn't just have a four-year school. Mm-hmm. We've got a medical school now. So uh, it's helped with 
the hospital because you're bringing in academic folks. You're bringing in your, you're probably the best of the best that are at the cutting edge of, of medical technology. Uh, I mean, we're doing things at this hospital that no one's doing. Mm-hmm. With cancer care, we're doing them with orthopedics. We've got four robots in our hospital that put the pre- precision in cutting for surgeries. I remember a good example was our knees patients had to stay in the hospital six days. Now they're out within 24 hours because the bleeding has eliminated and the cut is precise. So it's really advanced our technology uh, here at the hospital. Uh, what it's done locally, and I, I was chairman of the EDA, I looked at 2018 sales tax, and then I looked at 2020 um, one sales tax. And the sales tax, even during the pandemic, now this is the sales tax collected, increased over $2 million just in sales tax. Now that sales tax represents 8%. So take the $2 million divided by 8%, you can see what it's done as far as commerce in our local areas. Uh, it's created a significant number of jobs. Our hospital, when I got here in 2011, had 726 employees. And we're sitting today with 1,576 employees. So That's a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I got here, uh, just even over the past six years, there's been a lot of renovations, a lot of building. It seems like there's always something being built here. Uh, new service lines opening, a lot of new projects that you're undertaking. Talk about those projects as it relates to residency training. I think residents get a great experience, a great, robust, and comprehensive education at this hospital. Even though it's in a rural community, the experiences and what you learn, the technology, as you said, is cutting edge and advanced. What made you take that leap to make your hospital stand out? I think attracting residents to to Cockwick County is a competitive uh, uh, strategy. Because most of them go to med school and they learn the latest and greatest technology. They're actually getting trained on robotics. They're getting trained on AI. They're getting trained on all kinds of things. And and in order for us to be competitive with a medical student to choose our residency, they've got to know that when they come here, they're going to advance their skill sets, not reduce them. They've got to learn what an open heart is, even though we don't do open heart. They've got to learn what neurosurgery uh, th- things that they do. So a lot of the stuff that we have done from a technology standpoint, from a simulation lab, we're just spending $14 million on a new education center with state-of-the-art. Uh, it's got to be t- the latest and greatest. And it all, invo- it, it all works together. And I go back to the domino effect. But if you think about the whole vision of the hospital, you can put graduate medical education as the umbrella, and everything falls underneath it. So if you've got residents here, you've got to have specialists for them to round on because even a family medicine doc's got to know what, kind of, what a general surgeon does and what an orthopod does and what a, a rheumatologist does. So... Everything involves the, kind of the big umbrellas, graduate medical education, but then you've got to make sure that the cancer care that you get here has it all. So that's why we started the radiation center. Uh, if you look at the um, 
simulation lab. We've got an ICU in there. We've got a computer lab. We've got a sim lab. But in, upstairs above that is going to be our new graduate education uh, department, which will house Georgia South Family Medicine and Georgia South Psychiatry. All that goes because when you're trying to recruit a resident to come in, they got to walk through that simulab first, and they're just going to be wild. And then they walk over to the hospital, and they realize that we've got two CT 128 slash CT scanners. You know, our MRI technology. Uh, we used to have a 1.5 Tesla. Well, we've got a 3T Tesla now, and we're on one of only four hospitals in the state of Georgia that has a 3T Tesla. In order to be good, you've got to be different. You've got to be differentiated. Now, not, not, not just good, but you've got to be different than what everybody else has. Because if I'm a resident, I can go to Metro, and I guarantee you a lot of those hospitals have similar stuff. But how can I attract them to, to Moultrie? They've got to know that, that they've got, they'll have a leg up in technology. And so I think it all involves around having the latest and greatest. Last year, Cockett Regional spent $21 million just on, on upgrades to the facility and new technology. Uh, we are a community hospital, so everything we make goes back into the hospital. And we use it for technology. We use it for people. Uh, we spend a significant amount of money just educating our people. We send them to seminars. One of the initiatives this year was that as a rural hospital, your skill sets can get outdated because you don't know what's going on. So I pushed all the directors to go tend, attend a national seminar so they can see what they're doing in Las Vegas, so they can see what they're doing in Phoenix. What are they doing in Chicago? Uh, you just attended one, and you got to interact with people all across the country. Mm -hmm. And the, my dream would be that those ideas that people, when they go out and get themselves educated and familiar with what's going on, they'll bring them back to the organization and say, well, why not Moultrie? Why don't we try this? And that's how it all happens. It, it happens with the people. A lot of people tend to want to give Jim Matney the credit. No, I just gave people the resources they need to fulfill those visions. I mean, psychiatry, I remember when you got involved in that, Christoph, it was just a dream. In fact, it was one of those times that I did a, a Jay Felstein. I kind of laughed. I said, psychiatry? I said, you know we don't even have psychiatry services here at this hospital, but you all had that dream of creating psychiatry services in a rural area, and you fulfilled it because you found out that we could do it. And so my role is just to say, what ideas do you have? And yeah, let's do it. So I'm the yes man. It sounds like Colquitt Regional Medical Center and its residency training programs is offering a premier medical education. Would you say that to be true? I think we've started on that journey. But, you know, if we just set back on our success and say we did it, then we're going to be behind. Uh, my vision of where this goes is we've got to start to partner with the other rural hospitals for additional training. For example, uh, obstetrics. When we do about 600 deliveries a year, well, that's not enough to train an OB doc who wants to go into residency. But if we worked 
with the other hospitals in our consortium that we that we've assisted that you've assisted, such as Archbold or Tiff Regional or or South Georgia Medical Center or even Phoebe, uh, then if we can get together and kind of stop trying to compete all the time, and say why don't we do a combined OBGYN residency and send them here? It's kind of like our psych services our psychiatry services. We don't do all the training here at Cockett Regional. We use other sites in the state of Georgia to send those residents to get the training. And that model that you all created, and I've got to give you all the credit for creating that model of sending those residents out to other places, kind of gave me the idea, well, why can't we do that for general surgery? So we just signed a letter of intent with a big teaching hospital to bring general surgery residents down here. We just completed a, our first uh, fellowship with a, a GYN, uh, a Eurogyne uh, fellow. Uh, we're, we're recruiting GYN oncologists to come to this area, and we'll be the only one in South Georgia with a GYN oncologist. Well, my goal is to bring in fellows to train. So I think what's exciting is where we're going, not where we've been, because where we've been is, is the basics. I mean, we, we started a family medicine program. Not many people can do that. We started a psych programs. But why can't we start five other residents? And then think about what you do to rural health care. So then my family doesn't have to go to Atlanta to see a G1 oncologist, doesn't have to go to Tallahassee. So if, if I need an adolescent psych, why can't we start an adolescent psych program here to where we can send them off to get the training and then come back here and see those people? So I'm excited about all the things that we can go. We, we've, got the, we've got the foundation, but we're just starting here. I mean, my vision would be that in five years, we're sitting here having a podcast talking about the, the 10 different residency or training programs that we have. And think about it, goes back to what I said when I started, access. If we can do that, then every single person who needs health care can know that they can come to Cockroach Regional and get that access. That's exciting. It is. I get excited just talking about it. <laughs> I think that enthusiasm is infectious. Uh, I think, personally, one of the benefits of a rural program and what you did, what I see across the nation is a lot of rural hospitals, they partner with big medical centers, uh, colleges, um, and they create these rural training tracks. You decided to actually create full-blown residency training programs um, where you're training residents all three years for family medicine, all four years for psychiatry, and they're getting that comprehensive education here within our community and with our partners across the region. Uh, as a medical student, what should I be looking for in a hospital system um, when I go out looking for residency programs to train with? I, th I think that's got two parts to it. One, I think you've got to have a strong third-year rotation, and that's what a lot of rural hospitals offer. Hospitals And a lot of the rotations, those third-year are family medicine, OB, and general surgery. So if you can get the basics of medicine in your third year, then that fourth year, because of the, of the relationships that 
Cockpit Regional has with these tertiary carriers, we can send those residents out to get those what they call uh, interview rotations to where they can. I was real excited about PCOM. Uh, we, we matched in, in orthopedics. We matched in emergency medicine. We matched in general surgery. So you don't have to go away to do it. Now, if you want to be a family medicine or a psychiatrist or any of the other, other eight residents that we're going to start <laughs> eventually, you can get it here. But you don't have to start somewhere in Metro Atlanta because at here, you're, you're, a, a, you're first up. But when you go to a big teaching hospital, whatever, if you're going to be a, a medical student, then you're like the fifth row back. So you're really not getting your hands on patients. But here, we, our medical students actually get to deliver babies. They get to actually cut they get to actually scrub in, so so they get really hands-on experience. And cancer or gallbladders are the same here as they are in Atlanta. It's the same type of pathology. So really, I think getting it starting here probably gives you a leg up because you get more hands-on versus if you start out a big at a big hospital, you're probably not going to get to touch patients. Mm-hmm. What's most exciting for you coming up? You talked about the new education center. That's been a couple-of-year project of discussion, ideas. It's finally happening. You know, what's the most exciting thing for you coming up in the next couple of years? I am excited about our psychiatry, Georgia South Psychiatry Program, and where it's going to go. My hope is that we recruited the right people that will want to stay in South Georgia. So, one of the things that I look at is how many of those residents that we're training actually will stay in the region. I'm not, I'm not as worried about them staying in Motri as much as I am. I'm hoping they'll stay in the region because I can't support five psychiatrists, <laughs> but I can support one or two. Uh, so I'm excited about seeing what our retention rate is in the region. Uh, and then I get more excited about uh, where we're going to grow. Where we're gonna, what are we going to do with those additional residencies? If we can expand our specialty care, such as having a pediatric neurologist service or having a pediatric rheumatologist, if we can start to recruit some of those subspecialties, we can do it. And you talk about partnering with other hospitals. I would I'd really encourage people to be careful about that because the big hospital mentality is – is let's bring it all to the mothership. So, and I'm not picking on because they're, they're all necessary, and it's necessary that we partner with with those other hospitals. But don't don't sell your soul and give away everything. Convince people that you can do it here locally, and if you do that, then you'll keep it. But if you partner too much with everybody, then they're going to take all the bread and butter and leave you with what's left over. So. Mm-hmm. I think partnership is important, but I think uh, independence is also important. And that's probably the key to our success is that we don't have a, a institutional board or we don't have some system that's got to approve it. If, if you come up, if Christoph comes up with an idea, you know, he just needs to come and talk to us and we can implement it. So that's what's important. Talk about community support. You know, what role do you, the hospital, play within the community here? I think there's a unique relationship between the hospital and the community. 
How was that started? Was it already in place when you got here? How have you continued to develop those relationships? Probably the word that comes to mind is credibility, is that if if we start to show our community that we can provide the health care they need, and if you start convincing people that they don't have to go out of town for OB care or they don't have to go out of town for general surgery, they start to, to experience Cockroach Regional and the patient satisfaction that we do with the one the, the the care that we show, people start to like their hospital. And as people begin to have goodwill developed in the hospital, and I think goodwill is one of those things that you put in the bank and you keep adding to it and you keep adding to it. So the big key to community support is is thinking about your goodwill bank and adding to it every single day. And anything you can do to help your community pays back and allowing that community access to you or to me or to anybody else when they need something and following up is important. Uh, it, it, it's amazing to me that we a lot of companies, a lot of communities try to bring in corporations that will offer 100 jobs. Well, Cockpit Regional just added 700 jobs over the last 10 years. That's a huge economic uh, stimulus for our community. So adding jobs and adding support that they need to where industry can safely relocate here is, is probably the key. Talk about your leadership for a moment here at the hospital. You know, I remember when I first got here, and I thought it was a little strange. Uh, people could just walk in um, seemingly off the street and walk right in and talk to the CEO. And that's an idea, that's a concept that – you don't hear most often. What opened the door to that? How did you find that leadership style? Is that something that just comes natural to you? Do you think it's important for hospital administration to be that open to the community? Well, I learned the hard way. When I was 22 years old, I was an accountant at Buckingham General Hospital in Grundy, Virginia, and my mom worked in the housekeeping department. Typical 21 or 22-year-old, I thought I was very important. I thought I was so important that I had a college degree and that and that I was in the administrative suite of the hospital. And I remember my mom who worked in the housekeeping department coming and says, Jimmy, I raised you, and I don't appreciate the way you treat me. That had such an impact on me, Crystal, because here I was thinking that I was better than everybody else because I'd done this, and my mom, I was almost not acting like I should. But I was probably acting like a typical 21 or 22-year-old. You know how mm-hmm. kids sometimes get embarrassed by their parents. And, and I made a turn at 22, and I loved my mom, and I started saying, she is important. She's important to the hospital. And then mom would start to bring all her fellow housekeepers down to my office to help her help them out with different problems and stuff like that. And I enjoyed it. So I started enjoying it, and I scheduled myself time for people to come in. And, and I always sit till everybody, I tell anybody that works for me, I've always got five minutes. I've always got ten minutes. So when people drop in, you've, everybody's got five or ten minutes that they can spare. So that's the part of my job I enjoy most. I mean, I still have elderly people come in here with their bills, and I've figure out what happened, why it didn't get paid and all that. So that's the part of my job I enjoy the most. But I kind of got to give my mom the credit for straightening me up when I was 22. (laughs) Talk about your relationship with the residents. 
I think it's a personal relationship. I, I do get involved, uh, probably more so than a lot of CEOs. Uh, one, I want to kind of offer my guidance on the type of, of doctor that, that rural Georgia needs. So I want to make sure that we're recruiting that meets our demographics uh, so that we've got diverse doctors. We, we've got all the, all the different boxes that we need to check. Uh, and I help them out with a lot of different things. They come in uh, and ask me questions. One of the things that I always tell them is the fact that don't sign a contract unless you let me look at it. So I'll help them with their their different legal issues. Uh, w- unlike a lot of hospitals, we invite our residents into our physician lounge. Uh, and so a lot of times I'll have lunch with them. And uh, it's, a, it's a personal relationship. And I can honestly say I know every one of them by their first name. And they appreciate it. And uh, they come and talk to me. I think it's incredibly important. I think it's admirable how much administration – uh, the CEO spends with really every department. Uh, you meet monthly um, with all the department leaders, with all of your staff. You do these leadership development institutes with your staff to really build camaraderie and bonding. And I think you invite people into the vision. And mm-hmm. I think that's incredibly important for the success of the hospital, the success of the residency programs, but it seems you're also really committed to the personal success of each person, um, and that includes the residents, uh, and they speak very highly of that. Do you think that's something unique to your leadership style, this hospital system, this community, or do you find that to be true in other hospital systems in their leadership? I always ask doctors, did they know the CEO where they worked at mm-hmm. or where they trained at? Most of them say no. And different CEOs have different styles, but I never have been that CEO that wanted to spend my time in the office or on committee meetings and meetings all day long. I really wanted to be the CEO that got out and talked to people and, and interacted with people because think how boring it would be to serve on committees all the time or go to meetings all the time. So I would challenge a lot of CEOs just to get to know people, get to know all your housekeepers, get to know Brenda in the housekeeping department, get to know Caleb in, in, in your department, get to know them, and you can learn a whole lot. Uh, we had an LDI this week, and we, and we asked every director to bring some strong leader in their department. And one of the things I said to them is the fact that we are getting bigger, and I don't know what you want to do with your life, but you need to tell us. Uh, if you've got a career plan, don't wait for the organization to pick you. Let us know what your career is, and gosh, we can help you with that career. Uh, so I think it's real exciting when I see somebody get promoted, when I see somebody take over an area, when 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 our fifth floor director, who used to be a charge nurse, is now a director of the fifth floor, Hannah. Uh, it was exciting that she actually got to, get to be a director. You know, it's it's exciting. So I think that's part of the fun of it is seeing people's career go off. Like, Christoph, I think you should be the CEO of the next hospital, of our hospital <laughs> next time. I've told you that a thousand times. <laughs> Your belief in people is infectious. It's mm-hmm. incredible. My last question, I've thoroughly enjoyed our time together today. If you weren't a hospital CEO, what would you want to be? <laughs> I've always wanted to be a hotel and restaurant manager. 
I've always wanted to work in a hotel where you make the experience unique and friendly. Um, I started out in college wanting to be a hotel restaurant manager. And now I think about I run a hospital. Well, that's kind of a, a hotel for, for patients. But the difference is, is I wanted to make it unique. I wanted to make sure that people had fun and, and they had a good experience. So what I do is similar to what I wanted to do when I first started out was I just run a big old hotel for, for health care. And I think it is about the people. I really do. And uh, I get to interact with people. I get to talk to people. Uh, I probably spend two hours of my time out there walking in the hospitals, going to different departments. Uh, it gets less as we get bigger because I get more involved in the different projects. Uh but I have to recommit myself every single day to where you're going to spend an hour at least walking to some department. Like the other day, I walked over to Dallas's and gave out lollipops. Uh, it was at the end of their day, and it was kind of a nice <laughs> little treat. But I got to see Elaine. I got to see a lot of them, and uh, that's part of the fun of it. So what would I want to do? Probably run a hotel, a resort. It has to be a resort. I'm not going to yeah. do a small one. Well, everybody, you heard it here on the White Coat Podcast. Mr. Jim Matney wants to be a hotel restaurant manager. Thank you, Mr. Matney, for being with us today. Until next time, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the White Coat Podcast, presented by Georgia South Graduate Medical Education. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. And if you enjoyed listening, consider dropping us a five-star rating and sharing the podcast with someone else who would benefit from this content. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay connected to our programs and other exciting things happening in the world of GME. As always, we look forward to helping you in your journey to the white coat.